Rivers on the boards. I'm Bobby Carell. I'm from the Mavs. Joining me as he always does. He, it felt like he was in Milwaukee with the team. They were putting on a performance that was inspired, and it can only be inspired by this man's glorious mane. It is Jeff Skin Wade. Oh, Bobby, these are such good, good times. I'm so pumped right now. I didn't, I did not realize I would be this excited for the season once it got here because everything's been so weird this year. And, you know, when they announced we're going to get started December 22nd, there's going to be these three preseason games. My, I was having a hard time processing all of it and how it was going to lay out. And let me tell you, last night at 7.07, I don't know that I could have been any happier than I was because this basketball team is back, this league is back, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun this year. We are. We are. It was so good to hear Falwell and Harp and you on the broadcast. It was good to turn on – Fox Sports Southwest, like, it's just good for basketball to be back. You know, it's just good. And also the product is great. And you and I are going to talk all about that, about the Mavs sweeping the Bucks on their home floor. Uh, it's just preseason, but they are going to win the championship. Uh, so we're, we're really excited. So we're going to talk about that. But first, I want to say, um, just right off the top, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, it's still a fairly new show, and you and I have only recorded, uh, I think, like one episode since the offseason. So uh, we haven't really had a chance to talk about it. But uh, if you have not listened to Open Run yet, then go listen to Open Run. Pause this. Go listen to all the the former episodes. I think that Skin. I think you guys have recorded six episodes. I want to say uh, Open Run is this kind of it's it's Skin and Derek Harper, Mavs legend, also your partner on the broadcast, um, and you just kind of talk about anything and everything under the sun, and it's it's really great. I want to I want to give you the chance to talk about it, but I just want to say it's just awesome to hear Harp have the chance to kind of like spread his wings and, and really dive deep on stuff because whenever you're on the broadcast, you know, when he did some studio stuff before joining the the uh, TV broadcast, but you really only have like 20 or 30 seconds to kind of make a point and then the next play happens. But in, in this format, in the podcast format, Harp can really just kind of just go as, as deep as he wants on any topic and, you know, share stories and, and give takes and stuff. It's just really great to hear you guys chop it up. Let me uh, thank you for that, Bobby. And let me let me just put open run in perspective about what it could possibly be. There's a badass picture circulating on the internet of Method Man in the Knicks locker room talking to Anthony Mason. Rest in peace. And seven feet behind him is Harp, and he's getting dressed after the game, and it just totally underscores. Derek Harper has lived an extraordinary life and seen a lot of things. He's got so many great basketball stories, life stories. And so we use, I mean, everybody knows what open run is. If you're a basketball fan, you show up at the court, uh, you show up at the gym and then you get, uh, you know, pickup games going and you're not never quite sure who's going to be on your squad or how the games are going to unfold. And so that's kind of the idea of open run. We show up to record and then whatever happens, happens. And so we talk a lot of basketball. We talk a bunch of great stories from the past. We talk about life. The whole thing kind of happened. You know, this has been this crazy year of pandemic. And uh, I think a lot, especially for our league, social issues have come to the forefront. And Harp has a lot of thoughts on that. And so the idea of Open Run was I've been, you know, rolling with him on most of them. We did have one with Gina Miller on there, his old partner from the from Mavs pre and post days on TXA 21, but there's going to be times where I won't be on there. Maybe he'll have Jason Terry on there, Michael Finley on there, but 
I, you and I just wanted to help Harp have the forum to just unload all these magical stories for Mav fans because he's so much more than just the number in the rafters and the guy that you hear, you know, about 75 to 80 times a year. So uh, I've really enjoyed it. I know the feedback you've given us indicates to me that you've enjoyed it. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I've told you this before. He was my favorite Maverick growing up. And so it means a lot to get to do the broadcast with him. And I just know that the younger generation of Mav fans, they just, they know names, but they don't know the stories behind these guys. And so I think that's what ultimately Open Run will be is for a whole, the internet generation to really fully appreciate the depth and greatness of the dude, Derek Harper, who's, whose jersey hangs in those rafters. Absolutely. Not many guys have their numbers retired by the Mavs have played for Pat Riley and spends like every day around Luca and Dirk and, you know, all the guys who have come through here in recent years. And so Harp has really seen it all basketball lifer and yeah. it just has a, has a lot of, has a lot of really good insight skin. Let me say this too. The, the most amazing things that insights he's given me about the Mavericks have happened off air. And so that's like some of the stuff I want, you know, our listeners to get to hear and, and everyone knows how hard it is to be loved in New York city. All right. It's impossible to get that mythical status in New York city where everyone's a hard ass and everyone's miserable. We went on a road trip four or five years ago, uh, East coast road trip and the Sunday New York, we were playing the Knicks and it was an ABC game, which means we didn't do a broadcast. So we were all in the arena and the Knicks gave Derek Harper baseline seats. Okay sitting next to Mike B of the Beastie Boys, all right? And in the third quarter, in Madison Square Garden, they throw Harp on their version of the Jumbotron, and you would have thought the Knicks just won game seven. The place erupted. Like, it erupted in just total chaos and love and adulation. And that was like a, a goosebump moment for me, just going, my God, this city loves Derek Harper and I just don't think Maverick fans realize that sort of legendary mythical status so we you know we could sit here and talk about that all day but I think I'm glad you're hyping it up because I think it's a great podcast yeah so go check it out it's on Spotify it's on iTunes Google Stitcher everywhere that you listen to podcasts it's called Open Run uh I think there are other podcasts called Open Run but if you search like Open Run Mavericks then it will be obviously the, the the first thing you see so go check it out ASAP. All right, Skin. Uh, you and Harp are going to record an episode later this week, maybe next week or something. We'll see. Uh, so you'll be able to get some of Harp's insight. But now it's time for you and I to give some insight. So uh, we are talking on uh, the morning after the Mavs spanked the Bucks, one twenty-eight, one twelve, in uh, preseason game two. They also played on Saturday, beat them down. I want to say by like what ten, eight, ten points, something like that. And it was a much more decisive game before. You know, the kind of the, the the training camp guys came in toward the end. Two really, really encouraging performances. And right off the top, I want to say every team in the league has basically had like one week to practice, you know, to like really and truly practice, run fives, you know, compete. And so everybody is pretty like uh, pretty raw, you know, a little maybe a, a little rusty. Milwaukee was almost as good defensively last year. Like the gap between them and the number two defense was almost as wide as the gap between the Mavs and the number two offense. So these are like the two best teams at what they do 
with no practice going up against each other. And so there was some really good stuff. There was some really bad stuff. But overall, I mean, how could you have watched these last two games and not feel just really, really encouraged, not just with like the offseason acquisitions? Like I'm ready to, you know, give Josh Richardson a jersey in the rafters right next to Harp. But also just the direction of this thing with the defense, the athleticism, the energy, the youth. I mean, everything. I'm, I'm just feeling really, really good right now. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And there's a couple things I want to throw out. You're talking about the rustiness. Like, Luca's third quarter last night was just incredible. And the rest of the first half and some of the first game, I don't know that I've ever seen Luca airball a runner by four feet. Like, he doesn't look anywhere From four feet. I mean, from four feet. Like some nasty stuff. Yeah, basically the ball just rolled down his forearm. I, I don't know. Uh, so I think we all know that's going to get way better, but the, the, and we, and you and I had a good feel, I think for how Josh Richardson would fit. I don't know that we thought he would shoot whatever it was 90% from three or whatever he's doing, but we knew, we talked about the caliber of shots he would get in traditionally what his percent. So we felt good about all that. The thing that I was most excited about was, and I didn't want to say it out loud because I was scared to say it. And he's such a good person that I never want to say anything or think anything negative about him. But I'll be damned, Dwight Powell looks better than I thought he would look. I was very concerned about that injury and the type of player he was. And I'm not, he doesn't look, you know, exactly like he did a year and a half ago or whatever, but he's much further along physically than I imagined he would be. But I think that's a testament to what a hard worker he is. And I know that they're going to stagger that and rest him and, and various things, but that's the number one most encouraging thing I took out of these last two games is Dwight Powell looks like he can be the Dwight Powell that we last remembered, which I was concerned about that after an Achilles injury, quite honestly. Yeah. And he, so how about this? You have missed 11 months of basketball it's your first NBA action since recovering from the most devastating injury an athlete can suffer in your sport. And your first assignment is guarding the two-time MVP. I mean, like, that is, that's pretty tough work for him on the defensive end. But offensively, I mean, he was kind of doing more KP-ish stuff, like popping to the three-point line. And he took a couple threes and didn't make them, but he was able to make plays off the dribble. And I thought that was really important, too, because that's the kind of thing out of that triple threat planning off that back foot and exploding toward the rim on the drive. That's what he was doing whenever he tore his Achilles. And so for him to be able to make that play confidently and even a little more explosively, I mean, he was getting around guys like, you know, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis. These are like pretty good defenders that he was beating. And that's really important because we know like the three point shot with him has always been like a work in progress, but he can do the alley-oop stuff, obviously. I mean, he threw down some dunks in these games. And if he can add that dribble drive element that, like, Joel Embiid does and Towns can do that and Porzingis can do that, then that can kind of compensate for the three-point shot maybe not being a consistent part of his game because he can beat you off the bounce if you're a big man and you're not in good position. And rarely are big men in good position on the perimeter. And so just from, like, a physical standpoint, I thought he looked great. And also from a skill set, confidence, like decisiveness standpoint. Like there didn't appear to be a lot of, I haven't played basketball in a year rust physically or like mentally. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And, 
you know, it's just now it's a compliment because now that Willie Cauley Stein's an elite NBA three point shooter, I think we can all just go ahead. And- he hasn't missed all year. <laughs> what is happening there? Oh my God, that's fun. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, and you had mentioned something on one of our previous pods uh, talking about ripple effects, and it was the idea of uh, you know what uh, you know J, uh, Jay Richardson is going to bring to this thing. Uh, and how that's going to impact Tim Hardaway Jr. And I thought we saw that in the third quarter last night after he got pissed when he didn't get that foul call and he just ran off all those points. Not having to think about being one of our best perimeter defenders responsibility-wise and letting other people handle that is going to free him up even more to have those, let's just call them Lou Will moments, where he just goes on a quick, hey, I'm just going to run off 10 points right quick. And I think we saw a little hint of what that could obviously or what that eventually could be like absolutely and that one play that he made was i'm such an old school like my dad will be so proud of me but the one play he made whenever he was mad like you said like he made a couple jump shots great whatever but there was one play where he came up with a steal in the corner it was like a 50 50 ball and he ended up coming away with it and he just took it the entire length of the floor and laid it in through contact that was like that was just really impressive because that's defensive intensity translating to what? Wasn't that on Portis? Like he got into Port. It was a big dude when he was going coast to coast. Oh, and yeah. I, think, I think it was Portis. Yeah, that was a, it. Was a tough finish, and it was like going left to right, like all your momentum taking him away from the basket, and he was able to put it up with touch. I mean, it was an incredible offensive play, but just the defensive intensity, you know, bearing down and making plays. Like they've come up with some steals, and and Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee plays a kind of a weird brand of basketball because their point guard is like seven feet tall basically but Dallas was able to make them look kind of bad at times I mean they were forcing Giannis to shoot they were getting a lot of rebounds they weren't getting bullied around by Brooke Lopez like they were really I I don't know they played really well defensively uh, and that level you know not every team plays the way Milwaukee does but if Dallas approaches every game with that level of intensity and that level of activity and, you know, maybe not being dumb with jumping passing lanes, but making some aggressive plays on the ball to force turnovers to get out and transition and run, then, like, that's how they can go from 18th to 13th or 12th or 10th or even top 10. I mean, we'll see, but, I mean, they look like a totally different team attitude-wise, activity-wise, and everything on defense. So I want to bounce off a couple of things you said there because I'm, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. First of all, there's a lot of chatter about the future of Milwaukee because of the contract status of some of their players. And that's going to be an ongoing conversation. If that team does not stay the same and certain players leave that organization, I'm going to say it's a direct result of the Dallas Mavericks owning their ass the last two years. (laughs) Uh, Secondly, that uh, the Hardaway junior play that you mentioned reminded me uh, the guy on the baseline that I think was, fronting down on the block was Josh Richardson. And when that ball was going into the corner that Hardaway Jr. got, and it reminded me, and there was a lot of defensive activity for the Mavericks that created all that. And Hardaway went and got the ball. And it reminded me, do you remember the uh, Portland trailblazer, Ruben Patterson? Oh yes, I do. Okay. That's a deep cut skin. Well, I'm going to give credit to my radio partner, Ben Rogers on this because Ruben Patterson when Ben and I came up doing Mavericks post games, Ruben Patterson was prominently a Portland Trail Blazer, and there was this idea that he was the Kobe stopper and all these kinds of things. 
But Ben had a great analogy because at the time, Ben had gotten into aquariums, saltwater aquariums, and he would buy these little sharks. And he would talk about how when you put the aggressive fish in the aquarium, it raises the aggressiveness of every fish in that aquarium. It was a catalyst for aggression. And I think dropping Josh Richardson into this lineup is Ben's shark tank theory, the uh, shark saltwater aquarium theory. I think all the other Mavericks are going to raise their level of aggressive intensity on defense because of the catalytic effect of Josh Richardson. And that's what that Tim Hardaway, I'm not trying to take anything away from Tim Hardaway Jr. He's capable of making those plays, but there was a comment that Dorian Finney-Smith made, and I, I forget who maybe Brad Townsend had it on Sunday, but he was talking about the, the change defensively and what Dorian felt like the ease of his responsibilities, I'm paraphrasing, but had made it easier for him to do what he's supposed to do defensively because of the changes they've made. And that was a very encouraging thing. And it's like just that, and we don't even have Porzingis back there patrolling the paint yet, but I think that they could make significant improvements defensively because of, of the changes they've made. And maybe this is a pivot. We go here. I'm not so sure that it'll be up and down because he's a rookie. I'm not so sure Josh Green can't find playing time on this team. Yeah, he looks pretty active, doesn't he? And I, I was going to go there next anyway, so I'm glad you brought that up because that second unit, they've kind of, you know, Rick is a tinkerer, but with James Johnson, Maxi Kleba, and Josh Green out there together, those are like three maniacs on defense. And the bench, that, that five-man unit in particular, whether it's James Johnson or Willie, along with Burke and Brunson, has basically run the Milwaukee starters off the floor two straight games. Starters, not the Milwaukee bench. And it's because they're getting stops on defense and then getting easy buckets on offense. And like those guys, Green in particular, I mean, he just is flying around and he's cutting off the ball. He's he's moving like he plays with energy on both ends of the floor. And it's just really reminding me of like, oh, it's it's cool to have 20-year-old kids out there who can just run for days and days and never get tired. And if you put them out there with the right guys, like, you know, Jalen Brunson does not play like a third-year player. Trey Burke has had to bounce around this league to find where he's going to be. And so to have a rookie out there with those guys with that mentality is really good. The James Johnson thing is really, really interesting. And uh, to have him in conjunction with Josh Richardson, because, because Dwayne Wade uh, is such a prima donna, we have we have disliked the Miami Heat franchise for a long time. And I really hate Dwayne Wade even more for putting me in a position to dislike a franchise that I should adore. And I think we've talked about they were my favorite Eastern Conference team last year. They were the team I was pulling for because I love the way they play. I love the cast of characters. I love what they've assembled. And I'm going a long way to say there was a Zach Lowe article about three years ago where he was talking about their culture and how they have grabbed these G League guys and molded them. And, you know, James Johnson was a first round pick that had bounced around before he found, you know, his permanent residences. And obviously Josh Richardson was a four year player, second round pick. And for those guys to spend time in that culture they had, they called the G league, the jungle. And the idea was you've got to, it's hard to survive the jungle. And if you've survived the jungle and you made it out, you never want to go back. 
and that changes your mentality forever. And Josh Richardson and James Johnson exhibit that mentality of they made it out of the jungle. Now, I'm not talking about them specifically, but what that culture in Miami of player development and knowing your role and being a part of something and being sacrificing to play your role and be a part of a thing. I don't know that Maverick fans fully realize yet what two amazing culture guys we got in the offseason and how they're going to greatly impact this team. I mean, James Johnson is going to be like Brian Cardinal on steroids for this team. I'm really, really excited about what he brings. And their attitude and background and all that stuff is a really good marriage with this organization because you look up and down the roster, Dorian Finney-Smith, undrafted. Maxi Kleba, undrafted. Dwight Powell, second-round pick. Tim Hardaway was a first-round pick, but he was like 25 or 26 or something, and he's bounced around a little bit. I mean, all of these guys, with the exception really of your top two players, and Willie, I guess, was the number six pick, I think, but he's bounced around a little bit. Almost everybody on this roster is like a – misfit toy or a cast off or you know overlooked kind of guy and I know that's the most overplayed cliche ever but it's pretty true I mean who was the torchbearer for the Mavs you know in the in the first year post Dirk it was JJ Barea who's five foot ten guy from northeastern Puerto Rico undrafted I mean like this is not a it's not an accident that these heat guys are perfect fits in Dallas I mean because these organizations, like we've said before, they like the same exact kind of personalities. Maybe not the same kinds of players, but the same kinds of attitudes, backgrounds, experiences, and all, all that sort of thing. I, for the longest time, you know, would say, hey, man, Jerry West is the greatest GM and maybe pro sports history, certainly basketball. You know, if you want to say our back, whatever, those are different rules and different times. But I have totally shifted that way of thinking to – there's very few people I would put ahead of anybody in pro sports than Pat Riley. You can like him or not like him or whatever. You cannot argue with that level of just basketball intuitiveness. If you are something, and you know, it's funny. I was talking to Harp about this. The one guy that they own, they've made a mistake on in the last, whatever, 15 years has been Michael Beasley. And if you want to go back and read those articles, Pat Riley wanted nothing to do with Michael Beasley. Everyone else in the organization said, Pat, you're wrong. You cannot pass on this talent. But he knew whatever that thing is, he knows he's not wrong. And so they didn't want to give up Josh Richardson, but they wanted Jimmy Butler, right? And so you make that move and I get it. And so uh, Maverick fans, if they haven't already in two preseason games, and I don't know how many Eastern Conference basketball games Mav fans are watching. Uh, so I don't know if they fully know this guy was a huge acquisition. And it hurts to give up Seth Curry. You and I love Seth Curry. Uh, but this guy is a perfect fit for this team. And James Johnson's a great role player for this team. I went back, and before the first preseason game, I went back and watched uh... – Mavs Heat in 2017-18, so that was the year before Luka. Um, the Heat came to Dallas, and Josh Richardson was guarding Dennis Smith Jr. that night, and Dennis had maybe like his worst game as a pro. Richardson had like four steals, two blocks. He was hitting threes. He was attacking on offense, and I was like, oh, my God, that guy is like a perfect player. I mean, like he's just, he's incredible. You know, I mean, he's not going to give you 40 or anything like that, but he's just really, 
really good disruptive defender. He can hit shots. He can make plays. He'll attack the basket. He had that putback last night on a, on a mislay from someone else. I mean, he's just he's just a just a basketball player, and I, I just I've really liked him so far. And it helps that he's shooting a million percent from three, and that won't stay the case forever. But he can definitely make stuff happen. Um, so we've talked about some good things. We talked about the defense. You know, they scored a bunch of points on the number one defense in the league last season in both these games. What are you looking to see? Uh, what what kind of improvements or what kind of strides forward or what 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 do what do you hope is better against Minnesota? That's the final tune up on Thursday at home. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I would like us to. I say us. Uh, I would love to just come out the gate uh, firing on all cylinders offensively. Um, that would be. Uh, and, and really, quite frankly, that just comes down to I'd love to see Luca in midseason form is really what I'm saying. He's he's had a, you know, some just sort of I would say methodical kind of starts. So I, I would feel really good because you know we're a basketball drunk right now. God, that schedule sucks. I mean, dude, we're what are we doing? We're doing Phoenix and then the Lakers on Christmas Day and then the Clippers that all on the road. It's is impossible. that what we had? It's impossible. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, I'm not trying to throw out some loser mentality here, but if we were two and one after that, I would be doing cartwheels that I can't do anymore because I'm old and my back hurts. I will go attempt cartwheels. If we're two and one after those first three games, I will post cartwheels on. I'll help you. I'll like hold your legs. Like I'll I'll help you. you. I'll assist you. Yeah. I'll need some help on that. Uh, so, uh, I think I would feel a little bit better about how impossible the schedule begins. If like, Luca came out on Thursday night and dropped, you know, whatever, eight, four, and five in the first six or seven minutes. That would make me feel pretty good. Because uh, that, that's the kind of stuff we're accustomed to is him just delivering nonstop. So, I mean, I, I really, honestly, Bobby, I have no complaints about the way that this thing is. Look, I'd love to see, uh, you know, and then Dorian got it going in the second half. I mean, I felt like he didn't even touch the ball in the first six quarters. And then, he had a couple long threes that came to him. One was a long rebound. And so I felt really good about that. Um, it, it's hard. God, Maxie got it going last night. It is hard to find something to bitch about in these first two games. I think the first six minutes in both games were very bad. And then the last 42 were awesome, which is kind of the inverse of what happened last year. And I will happily take a switch from last season. Um, Minnesota defends differently than Milwaukee. They're not – you know, no offense to them or anything, but they're not nearly as good as the number one defense in the league by far. And so Dallas should be able to get off to a better start. But I'm with you. I mean, we saw it a few years ago. You know, you can't play behind from 10 to 2, you know, every night. You know, so – and they didn't do that hardly at all last year. They got off to great starts last year. They were one of the better first quarter teams in the league. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't think that will be an issue for much longer. But, hey, every step forward is a is a good thing. Um, this was a kind of a fast and furious podcast again. Are there any other, any other opinions, any other takes, observations, thoughts, questions, uh, complaints that you have insults that you have? I have no insults for you. You're a lovely person. And anybody that insults Bobby is going to have to deal with my alter ego, which is much tougher than my real life persona. Oh, wow. But, um, but no, man, I, 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 I don't know. I, I generally don't get uh, too revved up for preseason, 
but because of the nature of this thing and how fast it's happening and there's only three of these games, I honestly don't know that I could feel any better after two preseason games than I feel right now. This is, uh, I, you know, we're, we're doing the games in the AAC and they have these big giant plexiglass things separating me and Harp and Followell. Where are you guys sitting, by the way? We're at the top of section 119. So usually we're at the bottom of 119, you know, we're on the second or third row. Well, they have us at the top where the camera well. And uh, I think there would normally be some, um, some, uh, you know, seating there for, for folks that need access, wheelchair access and things like that. But, um, but that's where we're going to be this year for home and away games uh, where the league's been as responsible with COVID as they can. So we're doing our away games from the AAC and we're doing our home games from the AAC. So, but anyways, there was several moments last night where I think, you know, me, Harp and Followell just kind of turned and looked at each other's that plexiglass and just smiled because uh, this is going to be a fun year, man. I'm looking forward to during the home games, hopefully being able to hear you guys talking because uh, I'll, I'll be sitting, I, I forget where we're getting posted up in some different area too, but I'm hoping that I can hear y'all's dulcet tones over the sound <laughs> of the bouncing ball. That'd be fun. Yep. Oh man, it's all happening. So here we go. Thursday at, uh, at American Airlines Center. It, what is the tip off time skin? Is it seven thirty or is it seven? Uh, seven thirty on Thursday. Okay. All right, so 7.30 on Thursday, and of course that is the precursor to the main event, which is next week, December 23rd, and then the main, main, main event, which is Christmas night against LeBron, AD, and the LA Lakers. Oh my God, this is awesome. We're going to ride this basketball high until then. Our recording schedule has been kind of choppy during the offseason, as it always is, but now that basketball is really back, uh, Skin and I are going to be trying to record uh, once a week. I mean, that's usually what we've done. The day varies because of travel and because of work and real life and everything but we'll be with you once a week for sure here on numbers on the boards and uh we're uh, hopefully you are excited as we i'm so excited i can't even talk skin hopefully you are as excited as we are because oh my god we're about to have some fun over the next five months skin i love you man thank you for uh thank you for joining me for this recording it was a blast as always thank you out there for listening if you like please feel free to rate subscribe review uh on whatever podcast platform you prefer and we will be back with you next week on numbers on the boards